If you're so motivated by dollars as an executive, you wanna see, okay, what made someone almost put their wallet back in their pocket? Seriously, it's scary to see what made someone not buy or almost not buy. Would you not wanna correct that? Hey everyone, it is Tracy, your favorite host, followed by your second favorite host. All right, well, that does it for our last episode of For Me to Five Be. seconds in and you're already interrupting me. <laughs> you're the second favorite today. Come on. I'm the best around. Nothing's going to ever bring me down. <laughs> sure, Shiva. <laughs> Delusion. You know us. If you've heard us before, you know I'm Tracy. This is Shiva. We just love to shoot the shit about experimentation. If you're not already following, liking, subscribing, what the hell are you doing? Go ahead and do that now. And uh, if you like what you hear, leave a five-star review. And if you don't like what you hear, leave a five-star review. Let's not forget, we have a code word to share with our listeners today. When they see us at CXL Live, if they use this secret code word, they get a nice little treat from us. And Shiva, what is that code word? Shiva's a Riz God. It's not Shiva's a Riz God. It's Rizzy. <laughs> Let's make that very clear. I will also accept Shiva's a Riz God. And I will give you bonus presents if you tell Tracy Shiva's a Riz God. And I'll bite you. <laughs> <laughs> On that note, speaking of biting, I'm feeling really uh, bitey today about something that... I feel like we've dealt with a lot as uh, junior optimizers. I know you've dealt with it. I know I've dealt with it. The inevitable situation when a leadership team just doesn't care about research or they don't take it seriously, or maybe they're selective about certain types of research and don't want to bother with the others. I think it's it varying levels of terrible, ranging from cherry picking to just outward denial of all forms of research ever. I can tell that a lot of us deal with this situation because we asked all of you friendly listeners to let us know. So this first one came from Anthony Wallace, who you should definitely follow. Anthony said he can tell that research doesn't really get taken seriously by a leadership team when it's only used for testing purposes and not actually fueling the rest of the business and especially marketing. It's better to use research to do experimentation than just no research. But I've noticed a theme around selective research use. If you test some of the things sometimes, or you only pull some of the data sometimes, like, are you truly research-driven, research-focused? And I would argue probably not. If you're a vegan on Fridays, and then you eat steak every other day, are you a vegan? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> I would argue no, you are in fact not. And I think that also is super relevant to something that Melanie Kirkland said. Melanie's in experimentation at Specsavers. If you're not rallying your team around research-backed outcomes. You're just doing the status quo. You're kind of ignoring what research tells you. I thought her point was so powerful. If you are just maintaining the status quo always, you're not innovating, you're not doing anything, that's a very obvious signal that research is not a priority for your business. Innovation is one of the better byproducts of testing and just research in general. If you're not actually doing it to its fullest, are you actually getting the benefit? But I did want to close on another great comment left by a member of the community. It's Simon Girardin. I always have to pronounce Simon's name <laughs> in the French way. Simon Garden. 
<laughs> Simon Garden. <laughs> but yeah, Simon said another great point. When leaders think that insights and learnings from research are timeless and they don't really commit to doing more research and keeping it going. I think that's like testing in general is a lot of leaders think it's a one-time thing. If it doesn't do well in the first few weeks, we just drop it because it doesn't work. And research is kind of the same thing. You really need to keep committed to it and be consistent with it. When I was a kid, I had my first day of school and I went to school and then I was done. I went home and I was like, all right, I'm done with school. It's like, no, no, no. Like, this is one of like thousands of days you're going to go to school. Like, oh, well, that sucks. I hate this. Obviously, I went to school and took tests, maybe not performed as well as I would have liked, but I did go to school and learned some things along the way. And I think Simon's point is so astute in the fact that if you just do it once and never again, just like we talked about in the previous episode with iterations, if you just run one test and never again, yeah, you have to perpetually learn. You have to perpetually iterate. It's not just one and done. Simon's point's interesting. And I guess maybe it's worth exploring why. Why is there a tendency for research to just not be something that people care about? There's kind of a range ranging from they mean well, but they just don't know any better. They don't know that research is a part of the process, ranging from that all the way to malice. They're very aware of the benefit of research, but they're selective for a whole multitude of reasons. But just kind of starting it off with the most innocent of takes, is it possible that, you know, leadership teams just haven't been getting the right education about experimentation and just don't know that it's a whole process of research and learning before you go ahead and throw tests out there? That to me is what I see in most cases. The leadership team means well. They just don't know that research is a part of the process. And I mean research beyond diving into Google Analytics or your product analytics tool. They don't think about heat maps, surveys, talking to customers directly, looking at support tickets. So many times people assume experimentation is something when it's not. So many people assume research is something when it's not. If you just don't know the value and power of research, you might look and say, it's not worth it. If you're a small business and you have, you know, you're not making that much money and you're trying to scale up, a Shopify platform might be more of an important purchase to you than running 50 user tests. Sorry, like priorities. A lot of it might come from just being spammed all the time with all these quick win guides. I guess slammed with ads all the time on Instagram or LinkedIn that are like, these are the 50 things I did to create a multi-million dollar landing page. Take these ideas for yourself, comment landing page in the comments, and I'm going to give you my free guide. A lot of that floating around that just misinforms leaders on what the role of experimentation is in general. It's not just a pick your your win guide. You have to do the work up front. If you don't know any better, that's a different story. But if you know better and you're just saying, I don't want to do it, I don't want to invest the time, I don't want to invest the money in doing so, then that to me is a deeper issue. That goes into malice. I don't know if it's necessarily malice to say, I just can't afford this right now. I see the value. I just can't afford it. However, if you're working towards scaling the program and you get to a point that you're like, okay, I can't afford this now and I will prioritize doing it. I don't disagree with you fully, but user research technically can be free. You have a lot of that data already on hand. That's a great call out. Your customer support tickets, those are sitting there. If you're not putting them into themes and bucketing them into things to learn or things to try out in your product roadmap, research is still valuable to you whether you can afford to test or not. Most businesses are sitting on that information already. If people are leaving you reviews, 
it doesn't cost you much money to export it and bucket those into themes. I would argue it's not really an excuse. It does take some time to do, but it is worth the time. That is really good pushback. There are other forms of research that are cheaper. So if you're perpetually trying to learn about your audience in whatever ways you can afford, there's no benevolence, there's no malice. That's just good. If you can't do everything, if you at least have that mindset to continue to try and learn, I don't think these are the people we're talking about. No. These are good allies, good partners. On the flip side, there are literally malicious people who rightfully understand that research can prove you wrong, and they choose to cherry pick. They choose to be selective. They choose to find data that supports their goals, or they'll say, I built this new feature. I need to find the data that supports that this thing was good rather than objective truth. I see that leaders who are just kind of lazy and they say, we're just going to find the answers to all of our problems in Google Analytics. Screw all that extra work of talking to customers, paying attention to heat maps and screen recordings. We're just going to look in GA and hope that it gives us the answers. That behavior does stem from that selectiveness, not just in what the data is telling you, but also in the tools that you're picking to research. It's easy to just go into GA and be like, we have to focus on this spot of our site or on this channel, but that's not going to give you the full story. I've had to explain this to executives a lot. Yeah, we're not going to find all the answers in GA. It's like going to a doctor. Maybe the doctor will look at you and say, I think you have this problem. Then maybe you go talk to a specialist. Maybe you talk to another doctor and get a second opinion. And maybe you conduct your own tests. Like there's multiple sources of corroboration to identify a problem and a proper solution to figure out what's going wrong with you. Why are your conversion rates down? Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> I think the example of this is if you like go to WebMD and you're like, I have a cough. And like you put that in WebMD, it's one source. Cancer. With Right, like you're just, you're like, how are you using WebMD? You're dead. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, every time, every time. No, it's it's so true. And I think that's actually a really good example too. I only give good examples, you know sure, that. Sure, sure. Delusion. <laughs> All the bad examples get chopped out from the episodes. <laughs> <laughs> no, we have to splice in the delusion. All right. No, <laughs> It's true, and it just makes me really sad when I'm seeing, okay, this is only part of the story. Why don't you want why don't you want to know more? Why don't you want to know, okay, your revenue is bleeding on this part of the site, but you're not actually seeing why it's happening. I wonder if this is a result of not understanding what are the consequences of research. What are the consequences of research not being taken seriously? There are so many missed opportunities. That's an opportunity cost. You're not using your resources and time effectively. Let's make sure we're prioritizing the right things. We're going to do one extra step to make sure that we really understand the situation that's in front of us. And you just miss out on understanding the full picture. Are you actually prioritizing the right things or are you prioritizing the wrong things? I wonder if that's why people choose not to do research. Back to that point about malicious. You can't have data showing that your thing doesn't work if you just don't collect the data. I'm going to take a bit of a spicy angle here, but where I see this happening a lot of prioritizing the wrong things is the executive team wants a certain testing focus that's a bit more self-serving and is not necessarily what the customer wants. And they kind of put on the blinders and say, well, that doesn't help our bottom line. That doesn't increase our subscription rate. So I don't care what customers say because our executives want this. This is on our roadmap. Which leads to dark patterns, right? Uh, yes. I've <laughs> And I've seen it. And I like, unfortunately, I've run those tests because 
leadership is calling the shots on the program and I'm just an order taker. Those are the worst kinds of clients, by the way. I do not recommend that outcome. That's probably a broader conversation around like optimizing for CX rather than optimizing for bottom line dollars. But I think it is worth understanding Sometimes research can be perverse as well. You might only want to look at the things that support your goals. I guess maybe it goes down to that ultimate point that good research is looking for the truth. Bad research is looking to support your opinions. Yeah. Can you handle the truth? You can't handle the truth. (laughs) I can handle the truth personally. (laughs) What was that movie from? What was that from? Um, you want the truth? You can't handle oh, the truth. Fuck, what's it called? It's the uh, I know it's Jack Nicholson. Jack Nicholson. Whatever, it doesn't fucking matter. We all know, we all know this one scene, and it's totally relevant. It's true. Like, can you handle the truth? And if you can't handle the truth, you're not gonna want to seek the truth in your research. I think it ultimately leads to just bad decision making. Yes. Ultimately, you are looking for data to support your goals rather than look for the objective truth of what is happening versus not. At the end of the day, it affects opportunities in understanding what's happening, which means your experimentation program, testing program, the things you're doing to grow the business don't grow the ways you want them to. Ultimately, it's just you're going to make bad decisions and just lose money. It costs a lot of money to reverse bad decisions or lost time, you notice, okay, September of last year, performance was way down. You have no idea why. So you spend that whole year trying to catch up and figure out how do we correct this? And you don't realize, okay, that was maybe one bad decision in which you were listening to your CMO instead of what your customers actually want. And maybe those two things were in conflict. That sucks. That's expensive. You have to fix that. So, all right, Tracy, what would you tell me the problematic leader, because you know I'd never be that, so we'll role play this because that's not reality. (laughs) What would you tell me as a problematic leader that doesn't care about research? What I want to show you is what your customers are saying. Direct quotes from them. This is what I want to see, or this is what almost made me not buy. If you're so motivated by dollars as an executive, I wouldn't say that in person, but you want to see, okay, what made someone almost put their wallet back in their pocket? Seriously, it's scary to see what made someone not buy or almost not buy. Would you not want to correct that? I think that's ultimately what leaders care about is money in your bottom line. And I think it's okay to talk about the learnings, but the learnings to make you more money, to make better decisions. Talking at that high level to say better decision making is probably the one thing that will resonate the most with them. And I think you could go tactically. Here's the research that is leading us to this decision. So we have confidence in the decision that we're making. I think that's a really good match pair. So it's research decision, research decision. Mm -hmm. I think that's what helps leaders visualize the value of research. It's not just decision, decision, decision. It's research decision. If you just talk about research without talking anything about the decision, they'd be like, all right, well, I paid a lot of money for you to tell me something that's happening. No, no, no. Like what's happening as a result of that? What are you tangibly doing? And then the best part about testing is results. And here's how much money I made you. You almost want to show them instead of just telling them hypotheticals, like what if your customer blah, blah, blah. Totally. No, you actually want to show them. Put it in their words. Take direct quotes. Show the human behind the comment. I talk about screen recordings all the fucking time. If you actually find something in a screen recording, share it. It really puts into context what your site visitors or your customers are struggling with. And it's easy to compute when you see it with your own eyes. 
I was working with a company a couple of years ago. We had a very annoying chatbot. Every time it would pop up, you saw one session where it was showing up and popping up every page. Get out of here. That's so fucking annoying. <laughs> User goes to page, chatbot pops up, tap X. Scrolling down, pop up, tap X, pop up, tap. This is not a clear example that this is not the right thing. And then to your point about corroboration of research, that's one session recording. Go look at how many people tapped X. Go look at quant data, look at qual data. It's so many sources of corroboration data to help you make the decision and say, this is what we're going to do. This chatbot's fucking annoying. Yeah. We're not going to have it pop up as much. Let's A-B test hiding it. Here are the results. Yeah. Go buy your Bugatti. <laughs> Go buy your Bugatti. Yeah, that's <laughs> so that's that's literally that's all you need to say is if you do this, you'll have a new Bugatti. Yeah, no, it's true. It's like you found out that something might be up here through screen recordings. And then if you were to set up event tracking for the clicks on the X, your web analytics can corroborate and say like 98% of sessions or page views is just Visitors mashing this X button because you won't leave them a hell alone. That is a full picture. Do you think empathizing with leadership on their decision making, saying, I'm not here to prove you wrong. I'm here to help support the decisions that you're making. Yes. Is what will help get leaders buy in for research. Now that I've had a few years between starting this work, it's a lot easier for me to empathize with leaders because I've seen so many well-meaning leaders just they're almost there. They've almost got it. Yeah. But when you're first starting out as a junior, you're still learning how to make these decisions and how best to communicate and influence someone who makes a lot of decisions on the next steps of your program. It's hard to do and it does take some time to do, but it really does help to see from their perspective, what do they want to gain from this program and can you meet them there without over-promising? Do you think then it's good advice for juniors to understand, not just scold people for not being data-driven, not just scold people for research, like, I don't know, you catch more bees with honey, right? You're probably rightfully frustrated if you show data and the leader's like, this is bullshit, I don't care. Empathizing and understanding they have decisions to make and instead flipping it around to say, I will help you with research validate your decision making or tweak it just a little bit mm -hmm. to help you make a slightly better decision. You already made a good decision. I'll make it a little better. You want everyone to feel like they are contributing. Like our, our work is a team sport. And I don't want to gatekeep anyone. I want to make sure that everybody feels heard. But yeah, at the same time, like, got to make sure that we're prioritizing the right things. We talk a lot about in this episode, the mindset of that leader. It's important to understand humans aren't always rational and humans aren't always making the best decisions. They are doing their best most of the time. And I think that maybe a part of this is just showing that you're there to help. Take a second to understand and empathize with that leader's problem. You as a CRO have a totally different set of problems compared to that CEO who put their life, sweat, blood, and tears into building this product, and they're so close to it, and then you're like, oh, I think we need to go green because that's the best practice. I don't know. This voice keeps on coming back. I hate it, but whatever. The bad CRO. They might not care about your research if you're just coming in being combative rather than a partner and an ally. I wonder if part of it is intimidation. You don't see an executive as just another human who you can speak with one-on-one -on -one and you have a bit of a fear. Yeah. So that comes across as like defensiveness. I've definitely felt that in the past. There are times when I look back and I wish I just 
DM'd that executive and spoke with them like I would my manager or a peer because they're just another human. To that point, you're DMing them trying to understand their problems, their challenges, their perspective. Back to this point, how do you make leadership give a shit about research? Yeah. Empathize with them. Understand that their problems come from somewhere and you are there to help them make better decisions. You are a partnership. You're not just scolding them for making the wrong decisions. Who wants to be told they're making the wrong decisions, right? It's a combative thing. You don't want to just scream and yell at each other all the time. And like, I'm not going to lie. If it's CEO versus junior CRO analyst and the junior CRO analyst says you should do something, the CEO is like probably going to win nine times out of 10. Yeah, but I mean, that may not be the environment that you want to be in. That might not be a healthy culture. I love working with the CEO who wants to hear alternative perspectives. And the more you show them the proof, the more they listen. That's the CEO that I want to work with. Through a partnership. Through a partnership. Yeah. If you show them the data and you say, I'm trying to help you make better decisions and they're like, fuck you, fuck your data. That's tough to fix. I try to suss this out beforehand. Like before I work with anyone, I try to suss this out. Like how willing are you to hear things that are contrary to Maybe your... we should record an episode about red flags before going into a CRO job. It's almost like we did that already. <laughs> I think that's a good idea. We should do that two weeks ago. No, seriously. Like there are so many things that a leadership team has to gain from taking research seriously and not just looking at web analytics, but also consistent listening to customers and how they behave on their website. And I think just to kind of sum this up, someone who really communicated this really well is Else Arts. She said a client had reached out to her saying the following, we may not have gotten any A-B test winners, but we sure have learned a lot about our customers that we didn't know. You're worth it for that alone. Preach. Did you say preach? I said preach. I love this. <laughs> this <Preach>. is <laughs> this is a shining example of a leader who gives a shit about research. Yes. They're not just looking at the dollars. They're looking at the bigger story. How do we satisfy our customers? And I truly believe if this leader commits to the program, commits to learning, commits to testing, they will see those A-B test winners. But it does take some time to get to. All right, Shiva, I hear that there's a post that you really want to talk about this week. So let's get right into LinkedIn Post of the Week. So this week's LinkedIn Post of the Week comes courtesy of Nima Yassini. Nima wrote an article about five reasons why your experimentation program may be destined for destruction. Five excellent points that I want to specifically highlight a couple of these here. Mm -hmm. So the first one that stood out to me was you're running tests instead of the program. It's something that I think a lot of people struggle with in growing a CRO program where you're hired as a junior analyst to grow and scale the program. For maybe a year, you're running tests. At some point, you have to recognize you will cap out very quickly and you have to make a tangible switch from testing to program growth. And that was something I struggled a little bit early on. It's hard to make that change. What does that look like, though? Does that look like investing more in processes and documentation? It's such a tough thing 
to just give a general rule for because so many times that growth is just limited to resourcing. When I was at Gartner, I was able to grow the program and I had help with resourcing. But even with help, I was still the program manager, the strategist, the senior strategist, communicating the results, the analyst, pseudo designer. It's hard to make that shift. And I don't think I could give you just build a culture of experimentation, bro. Like that's unhelpful and not something tactical. But I think it's important to know just in the back of your mind, you can't just run tests indefinitely. Talk about the value the program is bringing, the dollar amounts, and say, we want to reinvest the dollar amounts back into the program to hire more resources. I need an analyst to help me so I could focus on more strategy work. I need a program manager to literally help build this out while on the strategy or vice versa. Use the revenue dollar amounts you have from winning tests to say, help me get more into the program. Absolutely. So the second thing that stood out to me is using the wrong metrics of success. <laughs> I think this one's particularly interesting because it relates so much with the previous discussion that we had around making leadership care about research. So many times I hear experimentation teams talk so tactically about bounce rates and exit rates and time on site. And it's like, all right, well, so what? Like, what does that mean? Also, bounce rate's a weird metric that I, I wouldn't ever present to a leader because it's just such a weird metric and very prone to error. I digress. And this is a different topic, but I would challenge you on that. Let's just record another episode on we that. We can talk <laughs> about bounce rates in another episode, <laughs> awesome or overrated or something. Yes. But but don't you think it's important for experimentation people to actually be talking to the leader about valuable metrics and not just talk about bounce rates? Yeah, totally. And Nima had a really good example here. Translate the bounce rates into impact on revenue if you must. So if you're talking about the impact of a landing page program, if you've seen phenomenal drops in bounce rates, that can be quantified as we have more visitors entering the stage of the funnel where they're doing active product consideration. If you have good attribution data, you can then say because of the drop in bounce rates, we saw X percent more visitors in sessions two and three purchasing the product from their landing page visit. When you say translate bounce rates, you mean use words to focus on more important metrics, not literally translate bounce rate into extrapolate. Exactly. Yes, yep. totally. You're spending less time dwelling on the bounce rate drop and more on what that drop meant for bottom line. I think a framework around this is say, so what? When you're always talking to a leader, say so what? Yeah. Two or three times. Because that's what they're thinking. Exactly. Instead of waiting for them to ask, just cut to the chase. Yep. If you say, well, this experiment reduced bounce rates by 10%. So what? Well, we saw revenue increases. So what? Well, we made you $20,000 off this test. Great. So what? So you can buy your Bugatti now. Yeah. That's always, <laughs> that's always the, the one that <laughs> the end result, ends the conversation. Yeah. yeah. The last thing I'll quickly touch on that I thought was a quite good point was, so anyway, that was kind of Nima's post. There's five points Nima called out that were excellent, called out too specifically because they just resonated with me to my core. Nima's post will be in the show notes, so take a look, follow him. He's a great follow on LinkedIn. And speaking of following on LinkedIn, follow us on LinkedIn. We love it. We post some pretty Rizzy content every now and then. I can't believe I just said Rizzy, but... Yeah, there's, it's where all the homies are at. So follow us on LinkedIn, follow us on Spotify. Again, if you like what you hear, please leave a five-star review. We really appreciate you listening. And again, if you don't like what you hear still, I don't know, leave a five-star review. because We appreciate like all us. the five-star reviews. 
We do. We really do. All right. Thanks so much for listening, everyone. We'll catch you at CXL Live. If you're there, say Rizzy and you get a special treat. Thanks, y'all.